You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and I'm your host, Jason Cook. And today and every Thursday, we have Peter Watts in the studio. Good morning. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Jason. Good morning, everyone, and it's great to be here again. And Peter will be continuing his series, Searching for Certainty. And uh, today, One Life Changed the World. We'll tell you a bit more about that shortly. But uh, before we get into our study, just uh, tell us what you've been up to in the last week. I know you've been doing something a little bit different. <laughs> well, I actually uh, you know, took part in some indoor soccer on Sunday night, and so my uh, bones are a little bit weary because I, I hadn't done it for 14 months. I've pretty much been involved in soccer, uh, playing most weeks, either indoor or outdoor, for the last... I know, 40 years. But um, we we stopped because of the lockdown when I was playing up in New South Wales and uh, the lockdown came in March 2020 and I hadn't played since. And so uh, we got out on the court again, uh, the indoor soccer, and uh, had a good time with a good bunch of friends. But I uh, my legs are feeling it after that. I'm, I'm in recovery mode. Well, it's, it's good to use the body again, eh? It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, if you do it regularly, I, I guess the impact is not so bad. I, I walk in the mornings each day, and that sort of uh, has been part of my recovery process. Oh, I hope to join you next time. I, I want to do this time, but uh, didn't make it, so... I'll let you know when it's next on. Yeah. Now, Peter, we've got this event coming up shortly, which you're involved in. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. It's called Prophetica. Yeah. So, uh, in actual fact, on our radio show today, we're going to discuss one of the, the prophecies of the Old Testament, and people are interested in that kind of thing prophetica is is definitely for them because um what prophetica does is we're going to take a look at some of the ancient prophecies we're going to take a look at some of the history of our world we're going to take a look at some of the current events the trends and where the world is heading and we're going to look at some of the predictions of prophecy um many that have already been fulfilled and also some that are yet to be fulfilled, and it's going to help us to know where we are headed. So uh, Prophetica is a program that's going to give us um, a different look on history. It's going to give us a different look at what we can look forward to in the future, and we're going to give people confidence and something optimistic to look forward to in a world that is increasingly devoid of hope. Mm. So where are the events happening? Yeah, so... um, on the 31st of July, uh, we will be at Scottsdale, um, that it will be in the morning from 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Then in the afternoon of that day, Saturday, July 31, we will be at Launceston Grand Chancellor Hotel. Um, that will be uh, from 4.30 till 9 p.m. All these details, incidentally, you will find at prophetica.com. On the so website. If, yeah, so uh, if people are thinking, oh, I'm not sure I can scramble and, and jot all these dates down, um, the the day after that, on Sunday, August 1, will be to Olverston, and people can check the website for the address details there. And then the week later, Saturday, August 7, we are at Blunston Arena at the Ricky Ponting Room at Bellarive Oval there. And then uh, the following day, Hobart Function and uh, Conference Centre um, on August 8th, Sunday, the August the 8th. So all of those details will be um, there on the website. And, uh, yeah, we'll be... Um, by myself, there'll be another a couple of other speakers as well, so there'll be a number of people presenting on various topics through I the day. I believe we've got four of our five presenters involved in these uh, right, programs. Right, of course, so, yeah, uh, we've got, our Faith uh, FM presenters. Yeah, yourself, Gary Webster, um, David Maxwell mm-hmm. for Launceston Programs, and Raiko Chelich, who will be uh, presenting in uh, Alveston when that's yes, on. Yes, And that's you, right. you'll be presenting in all of them, I think. I think, right? I think that's the, well, yeah. all five of those I will be, yeah. um, with a particular <clears throat> emphasis on the uh, Hope about Belle Reeve one. Yeah. 
Awesome. Okay, so uh, today we're going to be looking at an Old Testament prophecy from Daniel 9. And it would be helpful if uh, you could see this graphic that Peter's prepared for us for this study. And so we're going to give you a code right now, and you can text this into 0488880891. If you text in the word SEARCH and the number 12, no spaces, just SEARCH 12, you'll get a message back with a link to click on, which will download a file, which is this chart of Daniel 9. And that's going to be really helpful for you to understand uh, the the prophecy and the timeline and the time frames that uh, Peter's going to be presenting and talking about today. We also highly recommend that you grab a Bible. If you've got a Bible handy, find that and uh, open up to Daniel chapter 9 because we're going to be reading from that and this is important to understand what we're talking about. Mm. So uh, let's uh, start our study, but um, maybe you want to just give a recap of where we've come from. And yeah, then sure. We'll get into today's. So in our series, Searching for Certainty, we have been looking at uh, some of the evidence for the existence of God and the trustworthiness of the Bible um, and who Jesus is. Um, I think last week we, we looked at how to survive the end of the world, and we noted that uh, the Bible depicts the end of the world as Jesus coming in power and glory to save humanity and take him take them home to heaven, and we're eagerly uh, anticipating that event. Um, and then a few weeks ago, we we looked at the Jesus myth. We looked at who Jesus was historically, mm. um, and we looked at some of the evidence for that. We looked at some ancient quotes. We looked at some of the claims that Jesus makes in the Gospels himself, uh, the kind of claims that ordinary people don't make, you know, such as uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, you know. He said, uh, I'm from out of this world. You know, you're from here, but I'm not from here. Um, and so he made some in- interesting claims, and, uh, of course, we, we identified him as the Messiah because of the evidence that we sought there. There's a prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 that we're going to look at today uh, that really cements Jesus as the Messiah. And when I first understood this, uh, some of our listeners will know as we've uh, listened to other programs that I used to be an atheist. Uh, I didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the Bible, didn't think uh, that, that God was necessary, believed in a naturalistic view of uh, origins and um, I had an encounter with God, and, and then I began to explore the Bible, and I guess I've been exploring the Bible for more than 25 years since. But in Daniel chapter 9, when I discovered this prophecy, it was I was jumping up and down. It was, it was so exciting mm. to understand that this prophecy, um, prophesying Jesus as the Messiah hundreds of years in advance, uh, I thought, wow, this by this book has to be divinely inspired. Mm. So we're going to take a look at that today. So if people have their Bibles, um, it will be helpful to turn to Daniel chapter 9. And text in search 12, the word search 12 to 0488 and you can download this uh, graphic that we'll also be referring to. Yeah, the chart's going to be helpful. Um, it's not essential if people have, don't have the chart and they, they can uh, still listen along. We, we're going to, but it will be helpful if you have a Bible open to Daniel chapter 9. Sure. And again, I want to mention here that uh, if you're listening to this program and you're, you just don't have a pen or you're driving along maybe, mm. uh, you can check this program out again at the website faithfm.com.au yes or is it just faithfm.com.com.au no, yep yep so if you go to that website and look out for searching for certainty you'll find this program there and Ta- you can review Tassie encounters yeah yeah yep. on Tassie encounters so let's turn to Daniel chapter 9 and let me 
just uh, share what's happening in Daniel chapter 9. In the early part, Daniel is in, in prayer. Daniel is praying to God for the first uh, several verses of Daniel chapter 9, and he's praying that God will remember his people um, and that he won't forget them because God had promised that after 70 years of captivity, he would deliver them and, and bring them back to their homeland. And uh, he'd prophesied this in the book of Jeremiah, and Daniel is referring to that, and he's, he's basically saying to God, uh, Lord, please don't forget us, and don't forget your promise to return us to uh, Jerusalem, um, because you'll look bad if you don't fulfill your promise, and we don't want you to look bad. And um, and so he's, he's talking about that, and he's saying, um, he's in prayer, and an angel from God is sent to Daniel, the angel Gabriel, in fact. Uh, this is only one of two places in the Old Testament where the angel Gabriel appears. And uh, the angel Gabriel comes, and he comes to give Daniel a message. And so if you turn to Daniel 9 and to verse 24, I'm going to get Jason to read that out. So this is chapter 9 of Daniel, verse 24. And these are the words of the angel, uh, the beginning uh, of this message to Daniel. It says, <clears throat> 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. All right, so there are several things there that uh, it, it says are going to be accomplished during this 70 weeks, but it says 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city. So let's just pause there. Here's a time period, 70 weeks, uh, are determined for your people. Now, who are the people of Daniel? The <coughs> the Hebrews, the, the Jews. Uh, the Jews. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So your people, that's the Jews, and your holy city, what would that be, do you think? Jerusalem. That's right. So mm. he's saying 70 weeks are determined for your people, the Jews, and for your holy city, Jerusalem, and then he lists a number of, of conditions. So when we look at this 70 weeks, um, what are we really looking at? Now, you know, how many weeks are in a year, Jason, typically? There's 52 weeks in a year last time I checked. That's right, that's yeah. right, 52 <laughs> weeks in a year. So if I said to you, I've got a period of 70 weeks, mm. we're looking at about, less than a year and a half. About a year and a half, yep. Right, less than a year and a half. And so... Um, is this actually what it's talking about? Well, there is a principle in Bible prophecy. When we're talking about Bible prophecy, it is very helpful to have some principles by which govern what the way we understand prophecy. Otherwise, we can come to all sorts of conclusions. And the Bible gives us a number of interpretive things. So, for instance... Uh, Bible prophecy is often given in symbols and signs, mm. and so those need to be interpreted. Um, there is a principle of repeat and enlarge, which we'll talk about a little bit later, where something is, uh, some information is given, but then it's repeated later and enlarged upon. Um, and there are a number of these uh, principles of interpretation that maybe we can cover in another program. But one of these principles of interpretation is in biblical prophecy, a day represents a year. So if we have 70 weeks here, how many days do you think that would be? If it's a day, you mean in exact days? Yes, or are you yes. so let's say 70 um, weeks. Well, 70 Seven weeks is 490 days, days. Right, okay, so you've got 70 weeks. 
Seven days in a week, that would be 490 days. Mm. However, if we apply the principle of a day representing one year in Bible prophecy, which, by the way, the Bible hints at in several places, um, then that would not make 490 days, but rather 490 years. Mm. And uh, there are a number of passages we could turn to. If you go to Ezekiel 4.6, the Bible says, I have laid on you a day for each year. If you go to Numbers 14.34, it will say, for each day, one year, and there are a number of passages through Scripture that help us to see this comparison between days and years. In fact, uh, if you remember Moses coming out of Egypt with the children of Israel, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, You come to the time of Jesus, and Jesus is actually following the history of Israel. He comes out of Egypt, Mm. and he comes, the the children of Israel came through the Red Sea. They were baptized in the Red Sea. Jesus gets baptized, and then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And so there is this uh, comparison between days and years in several places in the scriptures. So if we apply this here, we have 490 Days, but they're actually uh, literally 490 years. That's what is meant. And how can we know that? Am I making this up? Is this a Peter Watts interpretation? Uh, well, actually, the first people who applied the day-year principle here in Daniel chapter 9 were the Jews prior to the time of Christ. So that's a very important element from the perspective that uh, if we decided to start applying this after Jesus had come, we'd say, well, well, you're just trying to make it fit Jesus. Right, But if you have the Jews applying this principle prior to the Messiah's arrival, mm. then we, we're legitimately using this, this uh, principle. And in some other studies we've done, I'm not sure whether it was with you or with some of the other programs, but um, they were expecting the Messiah around that That's time. Right. It says in Scripture that they yeah. were expecting. So they must have had some idea about this. Sure. So mm. there's a time period here, and I want you to notice what it says. So that was in... Um, 9.24, it says, uh, 70 weeks are determined for your people, the Jews, and for your holy city, Jerusalem. Mm. The next verse, if we go to Daniel 9.25, I'll get you to read that out, Jason. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. All right, we're going to unpack this verse after a break. We're going to take a little break, uh, but we're going to come back and find out what all of this is about because it mentions the Messiah, the Prince, and that's the part we really want to get into. Hmm. This is Ancient of Days by Shane and Shane. I'm 
of Days by Shane and Shane. Now, earlier in the program, we mentioned this chart that you can get, which will help you understand uh, this prophecy uh, visually, and uh, you can text in to 0488-880-891. That's 0488-880-891. If you text in search 12, no spaces, you'll get a message back, which will give you the link to download this uh, chart that Peter's prepared for this study. Uh, and also, just a reminder that uh, you can use that number later in the program, we do have a free book offer as well that we'll be giving away a bit later. 
Now, we've just read Daniel 9.25, where it talks about the going forth of the command to rebuild Jerusalem. We want to keep going here, Peter? Mm. Okay, so, yeah, if you have your Bible there, nine Daniel 9.25, it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And so here we have... Two definite um, events and a time period that links them. Mm. So you have from the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And we can put this on our chat, and this is all part of the 70-week prophecy, of course. So he's saying... Uh, that this begins with the command to restore and build Jerusalem. And it will be really helpful to know when that command was given because then we could trace the seven weeks and 62 weeks uh, to the Messiah, the Prince. Well, we do have that decree, yeah, um, and it's in Scripture. It's uh, Artaxerxes' decree. Now, people might say, who's Artaxerxes? <laughs> Artaxerxes was a Persian king. I actually had the privilege a couple of years ago in 2019 of going uh, to Iran for the first time and we spent a wonderful week in Iran going to some of the archaeological sites some of the biblical sites seeing the tomb of Esther for instance um, and uh, the palace at per- Persepolis and um, Artaxerxes has the ruins of his palace there at Persepolis and also you can go to the necropolis there not far from Persepolis where you have the tomb of Artaxerxes so this was a king of, Is- of Israel a king of Persia, um, and he issues a decree uh, letting the Jews go back to Jerusalem to build not only the uh, the temple and the the, the um, sanctuary there, but also the city. He says in Ezra seven seven, I issue a decree that all those of the peoples of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Jerusalem may go with you. And he's talking to Ezra there, and so we have this. And the question is, when does it occur? It, and we're told in Scripture is the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. And the seventh year of King Artaxerxes is 457 BC. That's been well established by historians. 457 BC. Therefore, if we were to look at our chart, we could say, okay, it's going to be 457 BC. That's the starting point. And then we're going to come forward seven weeks. That's seven weeks of years. So seven sevens is 49 and then another 62 weeks, which is another 434 years, and that brings us to the point of the Messiah, the Prince. We should be looking for the Messiah, the Prince, at the end of that time period. Now, some people wonder, why why does it have seven weeks and 62 weeks? Why mm. not just say 69 weeks? Yeah. And uh, we're not told precisely, but it makes sense that it would be that that's how long it took to rebuild Jerusalem, the 49 years. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. So that's in that first seven weeks. Yes. Mm. So the seven weeks mm. would, would be the period of the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Then you've got another 62 weeks. And all that period from 457 B.C., if you come forward um, those 483 years altogether, the seven weeks and the 62 weeks, it brings you to a period of A.D. 27. Mm. Now, go ahead. Yeah, so so there's a little bit of confusion here because 483, if you add that to minus 457, or, mm-hmm. you know, 457 yes. B.C., 
you actually arrive at 26 AD. Excellent observation. But. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent observation. And that's true. If you did that on a calculator and you yeah. had minus 457 plus 483, you it brings you to 26. 26. Yeah. So how does this, how, why do we say 27 AD? And it's quite simply because there is no year zero. Mm. You know, if you were counting, you know, we're uh, in winter at the moment and it gets pretty chilly and sometimes it gets below freezing and so you might have minus three, minus two, minus one and then zero mm. and then you've got plus one, plus one. Well, you don't have that in, in the AD, BC yeah. years. So, if you know, if you went looking in history, what happened in year zero? Well, I can tell you. Zero happened in year zero. Yeah, nothing because it didn't exist. <laughs> nothing yeah. happened in year zero because it didn't exist. You so have one BC and so you have one, one AD. AD. Yeah. And so that's important to understand, and that's why it brings us to 27 AD. Mm. And therefore, we should be looking for the Messiah in um, AD 27. And do we actually have any information about that? Well, when we come back after the break, we are going to take a look at what happened in 27 AD and can we identify the Messiah, the Prince? Okay. We're going to have a listen to this song, Is He Worthy, by Chris Tomlin. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark
Is He Worthy by Chris Tomlin. Now, Peter, before the break, we were talking about this year AD 27 that we arrived at by doing some maths from uh, 457 BC and adding 483 years, and we arrive at 27 AD. What was significant about 27 AD? What happened at 27 AD? Mm. So we're, we're expecting or we're looking for... Uh, trying to identify the Messiah, the Prince, uh, at this point. If we go to Luke chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we find a list there of uh, rulers who are ruling at this time. And it's very significant to me that Luke chooses to describe all these people at the time when John is baptizing in the wilderness. Um, so I'm going to read those two verses out because there's a, uh, some interesting names. It starts out, it says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, so he's the most prominent ruler mentioned. He's the one that history will easily record. Um, and the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar uh, turns out to be 27 AD. When you compare the calendars, we've got the the Roman calendar, but we've also got the Jewish calendar to, to contend with. Uh, and this, remember, it's not after 15 years, but the 15th year of um, the reign of Tiberius Caesar, and then it goes on, it says Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Ituria and the region of Trachonitis, and Licinius, Tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness, and John begins baptizing people. And the, the importance of this is, why does Luke go to the trouble of listing seven different rulers who were around at that time to try and establish this time period? Um, and he mentions, obviously, it's the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. Uh, and that is because uh, a little later in the passage in Luke 3, 21 and 22, uh, we're told something about who, G- who John the Baptist baptizes. You want mm. to read that out? Sure. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. All right. So Luke is recording here. He nails down the time period. He he not only lists the most prominent ruler, which is Tiberius Caesar, but he, rule, he lists seven rulers. And then says, John comes baptizing in the wilderness. Mm. And then he says, and Jesus was baptized too. Mm. And not only that, it talks about the, uh, describes what happened at Jesus' baptism. And this is significant because Jesus began his role as Messiah at his baptism. Mm. Okay. And, uh, if we look at the, um, the word Messiah, it's sort of uh, Messiah in Hebrew, and in Greek we would say Christ mm-hmm. or Christos, okay? So it, and in English, what would we say in English? In English we would say the anointed one. That's really what it means. So uh, in Hebrew is Messiah, Greek is Christ, English is the anointed one. You know, sometimes we think of the, the name Jesus Christ and we think that Christ is his surname, yeah. <laughs> you know, like John Smith. Yeah. Um, but Christ is not his surname. That's his title. That's who he is. He's Jesus, the, the anointed, Messiah. Yeah, Jesus, the, the anointed, anointed one. one. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because when Jesus has been baptized in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, we read uh, a passage where 
Jesus says something significant. I want you to read that, Jason. It says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's saying the time is fulfilled. Well, which time is he talking about? It only makes sense to think that he's referring to this time of Daniel mm. that pinpoints the arrival of the Messiah, the Prince, the Anointed One, and Jesus has just been baptized and begins his ministry. And so uh, it's quite incredible. You've got this passage that, to me, this is very exciting material that pinpoints Jesus as the Messiah. There's absolutely no doubt. You know, the Bible didn't have to include this prophecy. Mm. There's so many others. We we talked about in our presentation called the, the Jesus myth. There's so much information that points to Jesus as the Messiah in the Old Testament. Mm. We didn't need this prophecy. But God puts this prophecy in Scripture, and it's mind-blowing in its accuracy of pinpointing Jesus as the Messiah. We can have absolute confidence that Jesus is whom the Bible claims him to be uh, based on this prophecy, given hundreds of years in advance. So let's turn now, but that's it doesn't end there. I mean, this is the thing. It, it mm. doesn't end there. We could say, wow, that's fantastic and that's enough. But the Bible actually gives us more information, and we're going to turn to Daniel chapter 9, verse 26 now, because it tells us something happens after the 62 weeks. It says, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And Let's the, pause just there okay. for a moment. Just yeah. pause at that sentence. It says, the, after the 62-week period, so sometime after 27 AD, mm. the Messiah shall be cut, cut off, off, but yeah. not for himself. So what does this phrase, cut off, mean? Well, uh, if we look at Isaiah 53, verse 8 Isaiah is a quite a famous passage that talks about the Messiah uh, coming as a, a sacrificial lamb. Mm. And uh, notice what it says there in Isaiah 53 verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. So this is describing Jesus as a sacrifice. He was yeah. cut off. From the land, from the of, land the of the living. He mm. died. He died. Right? So here in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, it says, after the, 20, uh, after the 62 weeks, or after 27 AD, the Messiah shall be cut off. He will die. Mm. But it says, but not, not for himself. So what does that mean? He died for others. <laughs> okay. He died for you and I. He died mm. for those who are listening to this program. Yeah. He died for human beings that we might live. And so... Uh, we have this incredible passage that tells us that Jesus was cut off, but not for himself. Mm. He died. I want to move to uh, Daniel 9.27 at this point. 9.27 says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. We'll hold it there. All right, so this is dealing with the final week. So we've had seven weeks, mm -hmm. 62 weeks. After the 62 weeks, he's going to be cut off. He's going to die. And then it talks about this final week. Mm. Okay. In the middle of the week. And he, sh yeah, it says he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Mm. All right. So if this is talking about the Messiah, is there a time that we see Jesus confirming a covenant? Now, of course, many may uh, remember that before Jesus went to the cross, the night before he has a final supper 
with his disciples. It's called the Last Supper. Yeah. They're actually celebrating the Passover, which is very uh, poignant because Jesus is about to go and die as the sacrificial lamb on the cross. But he's having the Last Supper with his disciples and he has the bread and the wine there. Many people will recognize the communion emblems there, the bread and the wine that we, that many churches celebrate communion with to this day. And Jesus takes the cup of wine and he says, this is the cup of my blood in the new covenant. So he he confirms a covenant with them. Mm. So this is, this is uh, talking about the Messiah. He, the Messiah, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. If we look at that final week, it says in the middle of the week. So if you've got seven years, seven days in a week, but we're applying that day-year principle. You've got seven years here mm. from 27 AD, and then it says in the middle. So that would be three and a half, yep. which is fascinating because, of course, many scholars recognize that Jesus' ministry was three and a half years long. Mm. Three and a half years after his baptism, he, he goes to off. the cross. <laughs> he was cut off. Yep. And it says in the midst of the week, he would bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Well, that's interesting. Because, of course, up until this point in the Old Testament economy for the Jews, they would be sacrificing a lamb every day, every morning and every evening. They'd have a sacrificial lamb because that was the way they gained forgiveness from their sins. They would transfer their sin to the animal and the animal would be taken. Its life would be taken. Its blood would be spilt. And that would be considered payment for the sins of the people. And Jesus, of course, is stepping into that place and he is the one who in the middle of the week, he brings an end to sacrifice and offering. Why? Because he is the sacrifice. He is the one to which all of those sacrifices pointed. And so this is an amazing prophecy. And uh, we've still got a little bit more to talk about, but we're going to go to a break and then we'll come back and finish the end of this final week. And why do we, while we go to that break, um, perhaps uh, our listeners could have a think about this question. Uh, we've just established that this prophecy clearly establishes Jesus as the Messiah with very, uh, very specific accuracy here. How does that change your relationship to him? So have a think about that question. Text us in your thoughts on that, 0488-880-891. How does this prophecy and this specific prophecy of the Messiah, how does that change your relationship to Jesus? Let's have a listen to our next song, and this is called All You'll Ever Need. Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. It's enough to pay the price to set you free. It can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. Jordan and 
like Elijah's fire falling on the altar of your faith. All the wisdom of the world could never conjure up a spark. No power of hell could ever quench this flame. No power of hell could ever touch this flame. You'll ever need by Andrew Peterson. Now, earlier we promised that we would have a free book giveaway today, and now's the time. And uh, the book today is called Visions and Dreams. It's a fresh look at Daniel and Revelation. And the authors of Daniel and Revelation, they simply wrote down what they saw towering images, strange beasts, and an assortment of cryptic symbols and events. Some of their visions and dreams were explained by angels, others were sealed for future generations. Narrated in a modern language, without the interruption of chapter or verse, these ancient stories and prophecies are easier to, and than ever to read and understand. And as you read, you will find courage and reassurance in the great truths about Jesus and his church found in these two books. So we encourage you to get this book, uh, Visions and Dreams, and you can text the code into 0488880891. The code for this book is SEARCH10, SEARCH10, no spaces. Text that in to receive that book. Now, Peter, we've got not much long left to mm. go, and uh, we've got a lot to cover, so we better get back into it. We had. So we had uh, the passage in uh, 927. It says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he brought an end to sacrifice and offering. In fact, in Mark chapter 15, verse 38, we actually have a passage that says, When Jesus died on the cross, um, there... It, I'll read it out. It's um, oh, You can read it out right mm. there. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So there was a veil in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, there was a very thick veil, and it was torn from the top to the bottom. That means it was torn supernaturally. It wasn't torn by human hands. And this was at the time of Jesus' death. It was indicating that the sacrificial system of the earthly temple was coming to an end when Jesus died on the cross. And so uh, it was actually confirming, if you like, what it was written in the prophecy in Daniel 9, that he would bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Well, we've talked uh, about this final week that begins in 27 AD and moves through to 34 AD, seven years later. We notice that he dies in the midst of the week. He brings an end to sacrifice and offering. 
But what about the other three and a half years? Mm. Uh, we've got three and a half years of Jesus' ministry from 27 AD to 31 when he dies. But what about the other three and a half years? Well, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, where um, Paul is writing. He says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So in other words, Paul is saying here, Jesus ministered three and a half years, and then this salvation was confirmed by those who heard him, i.e. the disciples. And so you have this last three and a half year period uh, that brings us to 34 AD. and, And then what happens in 34 AD? Well, in Acts chapter 7, verse 59, you have Stephen, who is a disciple of Jesus, and he has been preaching to the leadership of the Jews, appealing to them once again about Jesus, who is the Messiah that they've long waited for. They've been preaching about the Messiah for centuries, mm. and now he's finally come, and he's died as the sacrifice, and they are not accepting that. And they reject Stephen's message, and they it says in Acts seven fifty nine, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. When Stephen is being stoned, those stoning him took off their coats and they put them at the feet of a man named Saul. Saul becomes the apostle Paul, and Paul actually says of himself, he has been called as an apostle to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews. So effectively, the Jews are the flag bearers for God in the Old Testament, and through the ministry of Jesus and up to 34 AD, they're the flag bearers for God. And at that point, the flag is passed, if you like, to the Christian church. Now, that doesn't mean that Jews don't have any possibility of salvation. Jews have as much chance of salvation as anybody else. It's Mm. based on our acceptance of Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, So that doesn't change. But the flag bearers up until that point were the Jews. Now the flag bearers for Jesus are the Christian church, Mm. uh, which of course is made up primarily of Jews at this point, but then a lot of Gentiles are coming in Mm. and you have a mixture of Jews and Gentiles in the church. It's interesting that Paul witnessed that stoning as well. He was there. Yes. And uh, and then... Would have had a major impact on him. He was saying, how is this man able to die with such peace and such grace? You know, not condemning his, um, you know, killers... Um, and that would have affected Paul. And then, of course, he goes to Damascus and he has, has this experience. conversion yeah. experience on the road to Damascus. So um, if people want to text in Search 12 and get the, the free chart, that will probably help them with this. Mm. Um, but I also want to just talk briefly about the passage in Daniel 9. And uh, if if they text in Search 11, they can actually get this outline which just really runs through the verses from Daniel chapter 9, 24 to 27, and shows this poetic parallelism. There's a repeat and enlarge uh, principle that we uh, find here, whereas you have information about Jerusalem and then information about the Messiah, then more information about Jerusalem and more information about the Messiah, then more information about Jerusalem and more information about the Messiah. And as we recognize that repeat and enlarge format, it helps us to understand which parts are talking about the Messiah and which parts are actually talking about the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Mm. So uh, you do remember to text in Search 11 to get that uh, extra document, Understanding Daniel 9, that will help you as well along mm. with that chart. 
I would just want to close with this, uh, maybe Jason, today. Uh, in Luke chapter 24, 25 to 27, Jesus, after his resurrection, he's walking on the road to Emmaus. There are two disciples walking there. And uh, he talks to them. And it says that beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Mm. In other words, Jesus gave them a Bible study of all the things in the Old Testament about him. That must have been a fantastic Bible study. Um, But it is fascinating that this prophecy in Daniel 9 absolutely pinpoints Jesus as the Messiah. There's no doubt. It's not anybody else. Jesus is whom the disciples claimed him to be. And I think about the fact that we talked about this during the Jesus myth too, that there were some 300 prophecies and allusions to the life of Christ uh, in the Old Testament, written hundreds of years in advance, about his first coming. In the New Testament, there are more than 300 references to his second coming. Mm. And because Jesus came the first time in answer to prophecy, we can have every confidence that he will come a second time according to prophecy too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So remember the codes for today. Search 10 is our book offer, Visions and Dreams. It's a fantastic book that will help you understand these uh, prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. And uh, Search 10 is that code, 0488880891. But you can also text in Search 11, which will give you the link to a document called Understanding Daniel 9. Uh, that t- talks about the parallelism that uh, Peter's just mentioned, and also search 12, the chart. Feel free to text text uh, all of those codes in. Um, there's a few to get today. Uh, but, yeah, we, uh, we hope that you've been able to grasp an understanding of this uh, prophecy that uh, Peter has been sharing with us today. Now, Peter, uh, what have you got for us next week? Okay, so next week we are going to look at uh, a topic called Born to Live Forever. And we're going to look at what exactly was it that Jesus came to accomplish. We have touched on that in a number of programs already. But we want to understand why do we need Jesus? Why is he so important? Mm. What difference does it make? Okay. And uh, will you be speaking somewhere soon? Yes, weekend, right. Perhaps. Okay, so this, yeah, this Saturday morning at 11 o'clock, I'll be speaking at Glenorchy Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I'll be talking on the subject of the everlasting gospel. Awesome. And uh, tomorrow, of course, we've got uh, Tazzy Encounter's Amazing Love program with David Maxwell, and his uh, program title tomorrow is They Were Fishermen. Peter, if you've got uh, 30 seconds to summarise what we've studied today, how would you do that? Well, I would just simply say that um, many have studied this prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 and maybe be be sceptical or ambivalent to Christianity and have become convinced because of this prophecy. I know when I first understood this prophecy, I was like filled with beans because, you know, I was jumping up and down because I could recognise that this pinpoints Jesus as the Messiah. It gives us certainty. It helps us to know that we're not following cunningly devised fables, that this has an establishment in not only prophecy but history and in fact. And so we we have very good evidence upon which to base our faith. Fantastic summary. And uh, I do hope you can join us next week and tomorrow as well. for his people Slaves in exile For all their sins Then the dawning down by
struck down and silent when he saw him clothed in white face like lightning golden linen his voice a cry vision bright Daniel trembling mercy and Desperate cries. 